Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse. And today the two worlds converge and combine as we are welcoming Emily Moyer to the show. Emily and I have a lot of shared interests, mutual friends. She does an awesome panel show with our uh, re- recent guest, Howdy McCoskey, and frequent returning guest, Michael Wan. So, I mean, dang, there's a lot of potential overlap here. And I think that we'll just get into a flow state that takes us who knows where. Better to not plan these type of things when two potent podcasters combine. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, Emily does have a YouTube channel of her named after her name, Emily Moyer. And uh, she's also got a locals page. I know that much. She does multiple shows. Like I said, the Trilateral Commission with the aforementioned gentleman also has a show called Words. And there's probably more than that, too, that I will better let Emily introduce. But yeah, I'm really excited for the uh, the inner Emily Moyer verse convergence here. <laughs> and I want to just get right into it. Thanks for being here, Emily. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. And that either sounds like a very exciting or a very terrifying place, the inner Emily Moyer verse, <laughs> right? <laughs> Depending on who you ask, that would be a, it would be one or the other. Um, thank you for having me, Chance. Um, this, this world that we sort of, uh, cohabit, co-inhabit with each other, um, has become so crazy that I, I don't have the amount of time to listen to content the way that I used to. And I've been curious about you and curious about your work for a long time. So I was really glad that you asked me so we could, uh, you know, play around here and uh, get to know each other. And the same thing, I've heard a lot of good things from you, from, you know, my peers and colleagues and friends and whatnot. So I'm excited to be here. And um, I do host a variety of different, host and co-host a variety of different shows and experiences, both on my own and with fellow podcasters and um there's just about there's very few things I don't like to talk about I just like to talk I think is the the underlying issue here <laughs> and so I have fortunately found myself some great playmates and um and I'm excited to be here and chat with you today yeah I have managed to dive into the waters of Emily Moyer said because I found out while listening that got a lot of wateriness in your chart and I noticed the intuition was strong but also beyond just being flowy can kind of cut like a frozen ice pick too. <laughs> Pretty cool. You're definitely a sharp cookie and I'm in the same boat as you. Like I've known about you, heard a lot of good things about you. have only been able to dip my toes in here and there because we've got a, an embarrassment of riches is what I would say when it comes to conscious content creators and decoders and synchromystics. And it's pretty awesome. So at this point, like in my listening career to shows, instead of being able to dedicate myself to really fleshing out every episode of somebody's work, I have to just like pick and choose the interesting stuff. So, you know, that leaves us with a lot of open-ended potential for, you know, maybe covering ground that each of us has covered before, but in a new way with each other. Pretty excited about that. The one that I caught, well, one of the couple that I caught this morning was you talking about something that I thought we have a lot of alignment on, which was, you were discussing sort of the uh, the Joe Rogan, what I call cul-de-sac before the gold mine mm-hmm. type of podcasting psyop, very much in line with his buddy Alex Jonestown slash mm-hmm. Bale Hicksos, <laughs> Bill Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, that was an interesting topic. Maybe we can get into that a little bit because yeah. I bet both of us, it seems like both of us had a similar path going on in around that 2011 to 2013 range, mm-hmm. falling into those particular circles of uh, 
like cheese on the mouse trap type of content yeah. where you get a good dose of what you're searching for and craving, but then you get circled in a loop and never pushed past a certain point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's in some of that is just part of the nature of this kind of information. And then some of it is obviously arranged and organized and planned. Like I know for, for sure for myself. And sometimes I've ended up hot on threads that like, wow, this is interesting. This seems like it's really going to go somewhere and you follow it down like, you know, pretty far. And then all of a sudden you hit a dead end and there's nowhere to go with it. And if I were more famous and with more followers, then I would end up being accused of the same thing that Alex Jones sometimes does or Joe Rogan sometimes does. So there's a very organic um, iteration of that. And then there's also a much more controlled and planned and, and sort of, you know, orchestrated way that that can happen. Um, and I think that, that the, what's happening in both cases is there's a way that the, the world that we live in, the universe we live in actually operates and unfolds and it will do that on its own. You can figure out what that is and begin to play with it yourself. And the people who figure that out first can use that to sort of steer and herd and guide people into a certain way of allowing patterns to unfold. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm getting out of this and kind of maybe my observation is that there are certain space weather sky clock type stuff that happens on the natural and people are going to thus make observations and discoveries about self and universe in those time frames. Mm-hmm. And those who are in the know about that can kind of guide and nudge the information in a certain direction and control their own opposition in that way. And then even people like us probably, you know, to use that popular word buzzword right now, have been groomed through media to actually take on the roles that we've taken on and reveal some of the method for the occult and for the controllers and sort of initiate ourselves and initiate others into certain worldviews that we have to be very self-aware about and always be questioning even what conclusions we've landed on in order to avoid the possibilities of further collectivizing our consciousness. A hundred percent. So what I would add to that, when you said about like sky clock or, you know, things happening and not what I would say to add to that is also things happening within our own bodies. So what I have noticed and um, nutrition is a huge interest of mine from a much more like esoteric um, like sort of position on it. I mean, obviously like I like to be healthy. I like to be fit. I was an athlete, but also just in terms of like the body being a laboratory for alchemy, um, there's always an internal process going on that is very similar or maybe even exactly the same as the external process that you are referring to when you talk about sky clock kinds of things. And the way it's unfolding in our body and the way it unfolds in the, sky, in the external world, when those things match up and harmonize, that's when you have the most amount of possibilities open to you. And so if you are a person who's trying to guide society into a certain direction, you want to minimize the number of options and then hold open the widest path for those that you love, that you like the best that you're trying to steer people into. And so things are being done in the external world, but also we're being guided into creating a certain kind of alchemy in our body. And that's largely where the Joe Rogan cul-de-sac 
um, that that's largely the purpose of some of that. When you have people who are interested in health and psychedelics and nootropics and supplementation and even exercise, because certain kinds of exercise can cause your body to do certain things with hormones and neurochemicals and excitotoxins and all of that kind of stuff, right? So your body is now doing something that will create that will like force it to perceive that's which that which is being orchestrated either organically or not organically in the external world in a certain way. Right. And so we have like a many tiered system of opportunity or control or something in between, depending on how you see it and where you are at in your own process. Man, that's a lot to really consider because it makes you think, is there really a true neutral to operate from then? (laughs) Is that even a possible alignment? So, yeah, I think there is like a neutral point, but it's very temporary. You can you can you can come to neutral like many, many times, um, but you can't stay there for very long without um, losing your humanity to a certain extent. Like our emotions naturally pull us out of a neutral frame of mind. Right. But you find that moment for a second and it's kind of like being the guard. Have you ever seen like those panopticon towers at a prison? Right. Yeah, like, there's one right by my house. I live next to a prison for the criminally insane that looks like a red brick power station antiquitech building that is just really out of place. Right. So uh, most of them, like not in all, it depends on the prison yard or any of those things. Most of them are 360, but they're trained in a certain direction. And so that kind of doesn't, they're not looking at the full 360 around. But if you were basically with eyes on all sides of your head and in one of those, sort of rooms and being able to observe everything around you without having to be exposed to the elements or the energy of it. So you're kind of walled off, right? Based on being in a structure, right? And having glass and cement, you know, separating you from the outside or whatever's going on out there. And then 360, right? You can look around and like get a good view of what's going on, right? But as soon as you decide that what or that you should do something based on the perception that you have gleaned from that, you are now out of neutral, right? And you are not like, you're not every time you have a thought running back to the tower and taking a look around, right? You're doing it. You know, we find those moments like maybe in meditation or for some people, maybe when they're exercising or in a psychedelic moment or in their sleep somewhere and you have it for a minute, you have clarity and then back into the chaos and then you pull back up into the clarity occasionally, right? So I don't know that neutral is like a, a, a position you're able to maintain permanently, but the, the, Memory of what you saw when you were in neutral, you can use when you're not in that position to help you, you know, sort of decide or remember what that looked like. And so you are trying to act from that balanced place, but it's hard to maintain that, right? I think even Switzerland, which is famous for neutrality, has come out of neutrality for the Ukraine issue. So if Switzerland can't remain neutral, and I say that sort of, you know, uh, sarcastically, then nobody can. <laughs> Ukraine issue. It's like a comic book issue, honestly. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And by yeah. comic, I mean like comic, as in this is hilarious that their president is literally a comedian who played the president. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've avoided looking into that very much, but I like this neutrality thing because it's been like lately a conceptualization that I've enjoyed has been calling it the zero point mm-hmm. and that you can dip your toes into this zero point maybe like looking at your ether bubble of your biofield your bioplasma as 
a microcosm of universal ether of the whole thing. Right. So like, like relocalizing your awareness temporarily into the pleroma state, which is neutral in the sense that by being the all, it's also the void. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That relationship between like micro and macro inner and outer small and big, and then still in chaos and like how you manage that. Uh, I think is largely ha- what determines how easy you are to manage your control. So how you manage yourself, right, is basically the um, barometer by which you will be managed. So speaking of this alchemy topic, another thing that I've been interested in lately, to go, and it also takes me back to that time period of like 2011, 2012, 2013, is a friend recently gifted me a book by the legendary late Tracy Twyman called the um, money grows on the tree of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's what's neat about it in terms of syncing up with that time period. That was when I was in college. It was my final year of college. I was doing a capstone course where I had to like present my own research topic. And I was uh, fascinated by the Occupy movement that was happening at that time. And it led Mm -hmm. me to look into like, well, what is the Federal Reserve that they're protesting against? And then I found out about this entire fiat currency, something Mm -hmm. out of nothing concept. And this book by Twyman was published at that exact time. And it covers that topic, but from an alchemical standpoint. And so it's like, she's making this incredible set of uh, allegories between alchemical process of like the homunculus and how that's actually the straw man Mm -hmm. and how the idea of transmuting base metals to gold is Mm -hmm. the concept of turning paper into gold. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's, it's really wild because uh, when we think about the, the big picture alchemy that's being done through our bodies, it is this transmutation of our youth into wealth for somebody else. That, well, that, that, that's exactly right. And there's no interesting topic you can be curious about that Tracy doesn't have some sort of book or pamphlet or discussion about. And I guess today's the Tracy day because just before this morning I was chatting, I think with your friend Sean, I think you guys are friends, Sean. Oh, um, yeah. And <laughs> it was definitely close with Tracy. Yeah. So he and I were chatting. Yeah. He and I were chatting this morning for the first time. Um, uh, and, um, we were talking quite a bit uh, about her. I obviously didn't, didn't have any kind of ongoing relationship with Tracy, but, um, I did interview her once and it was actually the first solo interview I ever did. Um, and it, it's kind of the, the collection of topics that came up during that show, um, is kind of interesting in, in terms of some of the overlap of kind of some of the things we've been interested in and been involved with throughout our life, though we're like externally very different people in the way we present ourselves and the way we deal with the things we know and who we think we are and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but she comes up over and over and over in every sort of like, there's a frequency to the conversation when Tracy is about to come up in the conversation. That's always kind of interesting, but yes. And we're in this time where the money is changing, right? We're not dealing really with paper money anymore. We're in that the process of the transmutation from paper to, um, you know, hash to hashing and algorithmic money and, and whatnot. And your imagination now, pure imagination. It's, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, to quote, um, 
Kalindi EE, who I'm fond of, he said, now this is some psychedelic currency, right? That you can cross domains with this currency. Um, but there's also a way that it is being alchemized and transmuted and whatnot. And I think it has to do quite a bit with um, athletics and with um, moving people around from place to place and then getting people to focus on that which vibrates the same. So like one of the things I like to talk about, obviously you probably heard me go on about it is tennis, but not so much because it's a sport and I'm a sports fan though I am, but this is a very strange like culture around tennis. They literally go in circles and circles and circles around the world at the same time every year. So talking about a sky clock kind of thing, right? The tour is in the same place at the same time virtually every year, unless something startling happens to change that schedule. Um, but you have these people who, especially at the top of the game, are um, very reminiscent of archetypes from, you know, myth- mythology and religious texts and things like that, that are having battles on certain surfaces of certain elements, right, that have certain histories behind them. But the name of the tour, for the men anyway, and I'll, I mostly focus on the men, is ATP, Association of Tennis Professionals. ATP is the production of energy in the body. If you, if you look up what ATP in the body is, that's this powerhouse. That's what, like, creates energy in the body. So you also now have a new uh, cryptocurrency or new coin called the Atlas Protocol, ATP, and it's going to be used for smart voting. So what's going to take any remnants of voting from paper to to digital, right? So smart voting is what will accomplish that. And the only way you can really vote is with your money, right? With your dollars, how you spend them. So those two things are really well conflated in that. And you have this sort of tour that's going around and going around and going around and helping to sort of control that process. And it relates the body to the external world and then to our money and our choices. Man, there's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) I haven't heard of this Atlas Protocol, but... To combine money with voting, that makes perfect sense. Now, especially since money is imaginary and so is voting <laughs> in terms of like its right. effectiveness. But the idea of voting on the Internet, again, mm-hmm. going back to this time period of 2011, for some reason, it's coming up strong right now in the mm-hmm. vibratory field. Uh, 2011, 2012. Maybe it's like a decade resonance. That was part thing. of Occupy, wasn't it? Wasn't that part of the things that came up as the conversation around Occupy? Is all Probably one of the things people would have preferred to be uh, part of the equation for the future and the mm-hmm. age that that time was where Internet was becoming very accessible and a lot faster. And mm-hmm. we're moving into like smartphone world and all that. But I actually have this is a personal anecdote, but I had a, a best friend in high school who, whose older brother was very brilliant and involved with uh, high level academic research in his uh not undergraduate, but what's postgraduate studies, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he was involved in working on was, it was a secret project that they were actually trying to develop the code and the software to have a safe and secure online voting method. Mm -hmm. And then like they were trying to make sure that they presented it after it was complete and bulletproof and, you know, send it to a lot of places at once so that once it's out there, kind of like the way that, Bitcoin technology hit this scene and it was once it was there, it's there. And, you know, you could find the source of it or or stem 
cut it at the root. Right. Yeah. And uh, this, this dude I knew my friend's older brother, he actually ended up going like crazy and having to be institutionalized temporarily and like fell out of college and everything because he hadn't told people about this project he was working on. But then he started to tell people about it, that he was being followed and harassed and their, their lab and their workspace area was being like robbed and they were being intimidated and gaslit and all kinds of stuff. (laughs) So it's like the um, powers that should not be were quite uh, able to be aware in that panopticon way that this was being developed. And uh, there was like a Chinese connection. I remember in terms of, you know, the, them being threatened. And now it seems like the, the world is uh, this, the world stage is set for that type of thing to be unveiled, but in a more controlled way. Correct. So where do you know where this person was? I don't remember the university that he was at, but he was local to where I'm at in Southwest Missouri in terms of where he was from. Okay. So this is, this is interesting for a number of reasons. So that's exactly right. Right. So you have people who create technologies um, and the system wants that they, they, because they, like we think, and, and I think this is where we get some things wrong. Like even ourselves who are like pretty aware and awake, we think that like they have all this stuff figured out and that they just are endlessly coming up with creative new ways to express it and control it and whatnot. And I actually think that they have a lot of problems they haven't solved yet and that they use us as like to crowdsource solutions to their problems. Right. And once they have locked on to someone who's doing that, right, then they want to capture that technology. And if the person will play ball and allow their stuff to be modified or whatever without them creating a problem, fine. But if not, then the uh, targeting and the harassment campaign begins, right? And, um, you know, there are certain universities that, you know, this is more apparent at, like one university where a lot of this goes on is ASU, which most people, like, they think, okay, ASU is kind of a party school. Um, so, like, the smartest people don't go there. But that isn't true. They have some programs that are, like, really well-funded and that you have to be very bright to get into, and What's ASU? Arizona like, State University. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's lots of occulty stuff in Arizona. Yeah. And so they they have a massive, like, central CIA like, presence there. They fund a lot of projects and programs of kinds that are, like, you'd be surprised, right, out of there. And so, you know, they're just, they're watching, obviously, what goes on at the university, but also what happens with bright students, where they go, what they're doing, and they're monitoring, and they understand this person's sort of line of thinking and what they're working on over time. And, you know, I think that the system would like people who um, are creative thinkers and think outside of the box, but, like, not too far outside of the box, right? Like there's like a line, like they want people to cross it because they want to be able to expand their their systems and whatnot. But if you're like way too far out of it, then you've already gone into the area where you aren't going to be able to be controlled because you've thought out the log- next logical progression of that technology, right? They want someone who's like had a creative idea, but haven't taken it like too far past like the aha point, Right. Um, and if you have, or if your brain naturally does that, or if you're a particular kind of stubborn personality, you become a problem, maybe, and then they start with the harassment. 
I had a gentleman on my program recently. Um, his name's Lookout for Charlie. Like that's his YouTube channel. I don't know. Like that's the name he goes by. And I've been listening to him for years and years. And he's done, I think, the best um, holistic research on um, the how this is being done, how people are being um, sort of consumed or like I targeted it's hard to use that word because you have this group of people who claim to be targeted individuals that are like making the entirety of the topic look crazy and whatnot but there is a real thing there and he has focused in on like understanding the technology and like what it is is it's like a sound field that seems to be able to um, absorb everything so it hears everything it's all listening and all knowing and then be able to sort of play back what it collects to you and sort of begin to play with you with the following, with the targeting, you know, what you were describing your friend um, as going through. And it's there for everybody, but only when somebody hits against one of the like invisible walls that you're not supposed to pass, does it sort of turn and start reflecting back to you in any way that is disturbing. So he recently had a video where he was talking about a guy, very bright, very genius, coming up with a technology somewhat similar to what you're describing, like not for voting necessarily, but that kind of groundbreaking sort of technology that will switch the way we do something or, or whatnot. Right. And he began to, he began to become paranoid thinking people were following him, all of that kind of stuff. And he got institutionalized as well. Charlie went in and listened to the background sounds that were going on around this guy while he was recording videos where he was talking about some of his stuff. And you can literally hear the radio frequencies that are like talking to him right in the background. Like he didn't know they were, it's influencing his mind, but Charlie was able to pick it up. He does a lot of like audio engineering kind of stuff and is able to isolate frequencies and whatnot. So there seems to be this like, Mm, sound field panopticon, right? I, I got a word for it. Yeah. Here we go. The sonic panoptelectric fence. There you go. <laughs> That's what I want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so like the fence, you know, things can sort of the f- go through the fence or they can bounce back. Right. If you throw a ball at the fence, it's going to come back at you. Right. But like if you're just a fly or some little particle, you can sort of go through the fence. It's not going to bother you. Um, and there seems to be something too that like that this is an organic thing. Like this has always been in our system, but that people have figured out how to overlay things on it or weaponize it to sort of collect right everything that's being said, done, talked about and whatnot. And, you know, just like the computer is looking for certain words, like if they're doing, you know, if they're trying to censor, they're looking for keywords like that's going on outside of our computer, too. Um, But for only select reasons and for select ideas, and they're not necessarily always the ones that that you would think of, um, though some of them certainly are. Right. It's weird that like I think the first time I ever heard of anybody like experiencing what later became known as like the targeted individual concept. He had invented some kind of like thing that if you got a soda pop from a machine, right, it would come with this little like wipe attached to it. So you could get the bacteria and the yucky stuff off your can of soda before you drank it. And when he came up with that invention, he started getting targeted and all of this crazy stuff happening to him. Now, who would think like, why wouldn't you want me to have a clean soda pop can? Right. But, you know, I think nowadays with what we've lived through for the last couple of years, we understand why 
they wouldn't want somebody sanitizing certain surfaces, right? Like if there's a transfer, especially on a Coca-Cola, the guy worked for Coca-Cola, right? He, he, like, he came up with the idea because he worked for Coca-Cola changing sodas and machines. And he realized that they were filthy and that they needed to be cleaned, but he hadn't thought that they were filthy on purpose. <laughs> that was his mistake. <laughs> Right. So um, your friend sounds like exactly what you said. Right. That that unless there was, you know, that they wanted the technology, but they wanted it with a, a, a control panel, a control wall that, that he wasn't necessarily going to be game for, maybe. <laughs> OK, so all this stuff. All right. There's a lot to respond to here because this is a new direction for me to start thinking in. I saw that episode on your YouTube and I was like, that looks like one I need to get into because I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a, I'm a big sound guy. I use tuning forks and sound as a modality for etheric healing for clients. Actually, I just did a, a like a four hour seminar on it yesterday for a private zoom organization. Ah. So, but this is real. So this is really relevant to me to think about. So there's a couple of points I want to get into that like were connections that I made in my mind to recent research that I've been looking at that, you know, you think of, you, you do all these different areas of research and you have no idea how or why they're going to connect later, but then boom, they do in the moment that you get into a conversation like this. So I haven't done a lot of looking at targeted individuals conceptually because like you said, a lot of that just feels like a big controlled op crazy town. Like it's like a, gaslighting story about people being gaslit lit <laughs> the story yeah. itself is gaslighting in a way because it's also poisoning your worldview but part of like part of what makes that whole concept seem really ridiculous or uh unbelievable is well who are all these people that are gang stalking how are there so many people involved how is all that money being spent on it but to go back to the Tracy Twyman book, The mm -hmm. Alchemy of Economics, or what she calls like alchemics, <laughs> it's a real, it's a real airtight case she makes for that this is a thing. And part of what, how fiat currency is able to function in an infinite inflation growth paradigm and infinite debt growth paradigm that I hadn't made the realization about before was that the, uh, the famous John Maynard Keynes economist who was a, a an advisor to Keynesian economics, yeah, Keynesian. Yeah, yeah, he's an advisor to Churchill and uh, Roosevelt. Really important in the field. Well, he had a, a concept that he put forward to the governments of the West that okay, if you're going to do this fractional reserve banking with a central bank like the Fed, then part of what you have to do is constantly scale up the government spending and the government programs, and a lot of that is going to need to be below the level of visibility to the public because as the inflation exponentially grows, the amount of money that needs to be spent has to go up to ridiculous levels just to keep the water level seemingly normal and the trickle of wealth from the population to the government slow enough that they're also still useful as slaves. So, you know, this explains why like one Tomahawk missile is $10 trillion or whatever. Obviously, that's not that much, but you know what I mean. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so then you put that into the context of the idea of gang stalking and targeted individuals. Then, well, man, they have literally infinite money to spend and they have to spend it. They have to employ people. And a lot of it has to be secret. So all of a sudden, that entire concept is like, well, maybe there is room for it in our belief system. So I'll so leave that there. And then I'll come back to some of my other connections that I have to this and see what you think. 
So, yeah. So just in response to that. So it's one of these really weird things where it's like, okay, I guess part of the problem is that we call it like a targeted individual. And maybe it should be that like, it's just like the population has been weaponized, right? Like our environment and then the entire population has been weaponized because when you call it a targeted individual, it's about that one person and their story and what's happening to them. And from my experience, um, I had no idea we were talking about this today. From my experience, because I've experienced some of that phenomenon, is that it's happening to everyone but only certain people become aware of it. So there's a couple of reasons why some of it has to do with how observant the person is. Some of it has to do with their personality makeup in terms of like, are they sort of a, um, like a neurotic or paranoid personality type or not? But it also has to do with what's going on in their body, what's in their body, because it's a field. It's a sound field. It's like a radio kind of thing. And so depending on the health of your body and what is inside your body, you're going to be more sensitive to it or less sensitive. And then once you become sensitive to it enough that you realize it's there, well, once you know something, it's hard to unknow Right. And so then you're looking for it, then you're feeling it. And, and then you are and other people aren't. So as soon as you talk about it, you seem crazy. So then that creates a, a further separation. But the truth of the matter is that it's really being applied to everyone. And it's very seldom that like an individual is actually purposely directly targeted. They have to either be creating something that is of use, like what your friend said, or doing something that is like a real threat to a system. So this makes me think of someone like uh, Aaron Schwartz or Michael Hastings or whatnot, right? They're doing something particular that threatens to reveal something. And then like people who are inventors, they're inventing something and there's someone else who would like to appropriate that technology and then put their spyware in it or whatever kind of thing. And so this is part of the process of that. Most people are just caught up in that thing. And because of the condition of their body, they're really sensitive to it. And so the first thing that people need to do to to, to pull back from that is really clear their health. And most people don't want to hear that because it requires them to be responsible for fixing a situation where they feel like something is being done to them. Right. So it's a hard conversation to have. And when I stopped experiencing so much of that, I don't know if it's because it stopped or because I got occupied with other things and I no longer cared. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is that like, it's almost like a, a gut test, right? Like if you, if, if you, if, are they going to be able to crack you or not? How much responsibility are you willing to take for yourself and your experience or how much do you just want to continue like the story and the dramatics around it and whatnot? And I don't say this in like a way to be insensitive because it can feel terrible when it's happening. Right. But you know, having it geared towards this is about something happening to a particular individual creates that scenario that you are talking about. Um, but yes, to what you said about the money, right? Like the more, like it's almost like homeopathic in its application, right? So are you familiar with homeopathy? Yeah, that just a small amount needs to be introduced to the field and then it has resonance to the whole thing. Correct. And, you know, the other thing about homeopathy I realized recently is that part, part of why it's been dismissed is that it is not as effective on people with healthy, strong fields already. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is like your this ties into I'll, I want you to continue your point. But what you're saying about health, I completely agree that the your field integrity, your mm-hmm. body vessel integrity, the the um, 
whether or not you have a porous pl- plasma membrane sheath around your bioplasmic aura yeah. or a uh, strong like you know cell wall so to speak has everything to do with your level of psychic protection against this and i have a lot of thoughts about like what this phenomenon is that are coming to mind but uh-huh. you know let's continue with what you have to say there the health part though is crucial that's the that's the solution and that's the thing that needs to be the take home point for everybody here not that we're like blackpilling you about the sonic pen opt electric frequency fence, but that like, this is, yeah, there's a lot to this dynamic and I'm starting to really see a bigger picture than I had before. Yeah. So it's to the extent that there's a weaponized iteration of it, it mimics something that's organic. Like if you go out and you sleep in the woods, the forest, right? You're going to hear the leaves ruffling, the birds chirping, the water running. And sometimes it through the combination of those things, you like think you hear a sound that you don't really hear, but it's the way they're coming together. So this is sort of modeled after that, right? So this is actually like kind of an organic process. And to your point, like it's really about how, like how strong your own field is, both like energetically, physically, like psychologically, emotionally, all of that kind of stuff to whether your thoughts about it are going to be like the universe is a friendly or a dangerous place, right? When you're generally like, strong and in your, all your fields are integrous, right? You, you, you're less likely to lean towards, Oh my God, I'm scared. Something is going to happen to me. Right. Uncle so Mike we, says it's like outer world leading inner world or inner world leading outer world. And uh, I, I heard him say that. I was like, okay, I'm going to be saying that forever. That's exactly the posture. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent. And this, this time period that we're in right now, depend like whatever your focus of, of, like the information people like is on, whether it's on things going on inside the body or things going on in the outer world or things going on in the box here. It's all about like like penetrable versus impenetrable membranes. Like there's a wall, right, that is there because things are not supposed to pass through it, but there are things that want to pass through it. And is your resistance, like when I say resistance, I don't mean like being anti-something, but is your own energetic field pushing out well enough to not allow something in? Or yeah, is it's it an electrical you, term about your capacitor, your yeah. capacity. Yeah, right. And so that's the whole, like, I mean, whether we're dealing with the issues of what people are putting into their bodies, whether they want to or not, you know, in the last couple of years or whatnot, or whether we're talking about things like chemtrails and harp or da, da, da. it's about introducing things into an area where they're not normally supposed to be right. But finding a soft spot to come through, right. So that you can then move into that space and begin to influence how it operates. Okay. So <laughs> this is awesome. And what I want to now point out is that this idea of the panopticon that, you know, with truthers and conspiracy movement they're pointing at, and we're all afraid of losing our privacy and all that has been a concept from time immemorial that before it was a technological issue, it was a spiritual one. Mm-hmm. And people were like talking about the watchers, yep. the watchers, you know, the, the diamond, the devil on your shoulder, all of that, the, the Karen in the middle Eastern Mythos. I know they call it a Karen. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally a companion spirit that reported everything that you did back to the demiurge. That was their conceptualization wow. of what it was. And uh, it was like a personal familiar, but that was kind of also influencing you in uh, in negative ways. So there's this idea of the watchers and that's been around forever. And when we think about 
intelligence agencies, what they have in common with secret societies and the mafia is that they all operate in a field of secrecy. Yeah. In fact, when you dig deep, you're like, oh, there's really not that much of a border or boundary differentiating secret societies, intelligence agencies, and the mafia. It's kind of one big conglomerate. So <laughs> all that being said, what we're talking about with um, this field, you know, there's the natural version, there's the version in the forest. You can go take a forest bath as the Japanese do and really improve your health. Or there's the dissonant fields that we're surrounded with all the time from the nasty hum of your refrigerator that you're tuning out or for people sensitive enough to hear it like me going to bed with Wi-Fi left on, I noticed that I left it on and I can hear it whenever everything else is quiet. Yeah. So all that dissonance is literally changing your physical body posture and like tensing you. And that is influencing your energy field, integrity and shape, which your consciousness is a, is the energy that is filling the vessel of your physical container body. And it's like water it takes on the shape and the tone and the tenor and and the pattern of the container that it's in. So this posturing that we are unconsciously put into is a fear posture. It is a defensive posture from the dissonant fields rather than like the relaxed posture you might have when you're like in the forest and and in nature. And that posture of relaxation will be there until you hear like the the uh the mountain lion make its scary call or something and then there's another sound that changes your energy field so it's all sound we're in this big soup of sound you call it the ether the universal ether and then we're a microcosmic ether bubble in this larger macrocosm so the other thing about ether that in my research is pretty demonstrable that it is also the record of everything that's ever happened Think about even the word record sound. Yeah. It's a record. It's a record playing. It's spinning. <laughs> it's continuing continually. So the uh, idea that the ether is the watcher or are the watchers, that is, in my opinion, an absolutely like one to one. You can equate that, that in a sense, ether is conscious and it is watching. And we're afraid of not having privacy because in a sense, we we know innately that we have no privacy from higher self, which is the, the larger ether or from God, if you want to call it that, or however you conceptualize it with words to try to describe the ineffable. This is the zero point as well. It's the all that is also the void. You know, it's the empty space that is not really empty. That's a medium that connects everything non-locally. So what I'm noticing here um, in terms of why there'd be like this, this frequency fence that whenever you start to sort of shift your vibratory pattern and your inner world is starting to really influence and change outer world or has the potential strong potentiation to mm -hmm. do so you're potentiating your DNA, so to speak mm -hmm. is like, why is there this electric fence shock that occurs of fear and a, a boundary and a border of like, Oh, you can't do that. And it comes up in different ways and people experience it and manifested in different ways, whether drawing resistance to them, in the terms of people and experiences or just this paranoid slip into schizophrenic delusion, but is it delusion? <laughs> That's the question. So when we look at like the, the all the holographic universe that the every point contains the whole, and we look at our health and this alchemy that's been done in and of our bodies over time and generations through trauma and through poisoning and all these things. Well, then what does that tell us about the universal field? The field itself is unhealthy life force energy is out of whack in a way like there's some dissonance 
Well, I mean, is that the alien? <laughs> you know, there's some dissonance that's entered into the universal frequency field. So that's like the the bad vibe that constitutes the walls that we bump up against when we try to change from within and get ourselves right and healthy and in coherence. But the great thing is that we still can do it. But it's helpful to know that this dynamic is there so that when you run into it, you don't get scared by the boogeyman of it, right? Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot there to respond to. So a couple of things. So first of all, like the outer reality, like remember when I talked earlier about the outer world and then the inner world and there's sort of a similar process happening. And when you can get them to align, that's when the most possibilities open up, right? So all of that is sort of based on pattern recognition and the immune system is concerned with pattern recognition. So your uh, how, how healthy you are on the inside determines how clearly you see the patterns and the procession of things on the outside to be able to um, sync up with them or be, be aware of, of, of what's happening and how to anticipate or, or, or whatnot. And so when you have a weakened immune system, for whatever reason, your pattern recognition skills are diminished. Okay, so think about that in terms of a lot of sort of what's going on right now. And then to your point about the ether, right? So like the ether, it sound is like there's a pattern to sound like, right? Cymatics, all of that kind of stuff. And so if your internal receptor for that, if your immune system, which helps you recognize the patterns around you is out of whack, then that field that you're talking about, right, because you're not in sync with it or you're not able to know ahead of time that that's going to be there and to expect it, it just becomes sort of scary, right, to a certain extent. So have you ever, um, I'm going to guess you have, but I'm going to ask, like when you do psychedelics, if you do mushrooms, if you do enough mushrooms, all of a sudden there's like eyes everywhere looking back at you. If you haven't done mushrooms, you can go look at an Alex Gray piece of art or many other you know kinds of art throughout time that have sort of captured that that idea, right? Like you know, so there's a couple of options depending on your disposition or how. That's the watchers again. The watchers. <laughs> Everything's eyes. It's all eyes. It's all capital letter I. All is self. That type of jam. A hundred percent. Right. And it's very like if you are if your pattern recognition system is 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 in balance and, and good, you're going to recognize that. Oh, I'm, I'm looking back at myself. I'm seeing myself or, or it can, you can also perceive it as like those are my many ancestors or all of the people I've ever had interaction with. Like we're all always there in each other's field. And there's this constant back and forth that's that there's potential for it might not be active at every moment. Right. But when you generally are meditating or have taken time aside to do have a psychedelic experience, you're putting everything else aside to have that experience. And so you become aware of that, which is all around you. If somebody is not in a good state, right, then that becomes a scary thing. Oh my God, whose eyes are those? Who's watching me? What do they know about me? Did I do so? I did. I know I did something wrong. I took the cookie out of the jar. I, whatever. Right. And those eyes become threatening. Like, you know, everything you've ever done. Right. So all is self, the highest self or higher self when, you know, some people think that that separates you from yourself as well, but you, I think you understand the point, you know, there's no thing that you have done that you don't know you have done. And that is why like the only way they have, you have to go to extreme lengths with things like, you know, creating uh, Manchurian candidates or MKUltra mind control programs to wall off certain parts 
so that the person doesn't remember something they did or doesn't know something they did. And eventually that bleeds through too. And that's when you see psychological breakdowns or people being broken to, you know, taken out. So you cannot hide from yourself. Right. And if your immune system, which like, I think an argument can be made that for most of us, like, you know, probably in our lifetimes, because we there's been so much stuff going on technologically and chemically and all that kind of stuff. I don't know that we've ever had a fully intact immune system as it was designed, right? Like, and so we can get healthier and it seems good compared to what it was before we got healthier compared to the person next to us who's not. But I still don't know at what percentage we're correctly perceiving the patterns around us based on that, right? And so, you know, maybe if it was completely intact, then we wouldn't even see the eyes. We would just have that sense of knowing, right? And what you talked about when you are, it would just be that, like, I see myself, right? Like, maybe we'd see the eyes, but it would just completely be, like, almost like we were transported into the position of looking at that moment, right? So suddenly we realized, okay, we're looking at ourselves, right? Um, but what you said about... um that when people are like about to like break through, there's like a, some kind of something happens that scares them or, or whatnot type of thing. You were Let saying me give that. a quick example of that. Okay. So yeah. I did this sound healing seminar last night and also it included like a group tuning session and it was a really potent one, really powerful one. And there was uh, some talk in the, the telegram group for that, which I provided that for. And uh, one of the members was like, like really buzzing off of the energy. And he's like, I'm going to take a shot tonight. I, I never drink. And I was like, that's, I, I didn't really respond. I just watched the conversation and other people in the conversation were like, no, that's the thing. Your electricity is up and you're uncomfortable at this new level of energy and vibration. And so this person was hitting the static, hitting the wall that was like, no, 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 tamp that down, tamp that down. Why don't you have yeah. a shot, have a shot. Yeah. So there's all kinds of that like around, right? There's all sorts of like, have you ever had it where like you have a genius idea or a brilliant thought or you make a realization and like the moment you say it, like something in the room crashes, right? Like the window breaks or like they're like, you know, I had one a uh, few months back where it's like I like made a statement and then there was a car accident right in front of where we were standing, right? Like it just kind of like stops you from pursuing that. Like that's how strongly the system is sort of connected to and, and aware of that, right? It's kind of like as soon as you get bit by a bug, your body's, you know, you itch, it hurts, your blood starts rushing there kind of thing. It's the same with the bigger system. Um, I have this happen to me a lot, like when I'm dancing, um, like I like underground dance music. I go to a lot of parties and I like to close my eyes and dance and just get lost. And I've had some of my most like time travel dimension travel trans, you know, sort of transcendent experiences. This is another the, thing I knew we had in common. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with definitely the, like an electronic music guy. Yeah, like with the music, right? And one of the things I noticed over time, and it didn't, use, didn't happen until I was aware that I could explore other realms through music and light and my own consciousness and whatever, but when I would get to a space where like, I felt like, okay, like the things are starting to loosen up, like the boundary, the, you know, the boundaries or the, the line between realities is starting to dissolve. Like some ridiculous person would come and stand right next to me and start to dance and do something really weird that you couldn't not pay attention to. And I call them the boundary guards. Right. And it's like guardians of the threshold. You got it. Right. So, so that kind of, that, that type of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, then the, then the 
the whole thing becomes like to try and not be distracted by them so you can get on with what you're doing, which can be challenging. But learning to overcome that is also part of the process. Um, but I think that some of what you're talking about also happens when we get ahead of ourselves. Like when we start to recognize that a potential for something is there and we start thinking about what it's going to be like when that happens, then that creates that same wall that you just can't get past. So it's like constantly like this back and forth between being in the moment you you want to anticipate, right? You want to have a little bit of reflection and a little bit of anticipation. But if you go just like a little bit too far in either direction, then you become like, it's almost like you're calling in the guard or something like that, right? You're calling in the shot. You're calling in the kind of thing. So it's like, you know, you have to, all of these, all of these actions, these sort of metaphysical alchemical processes, like they require a certain degree of like, getting out ahead of time, but also like being totally in the moment, right? It's a very delicate sort of dance that you're doing. And, and you know, certainly when you're dancing, you're doing the dance, um, but it's, it's a challenge. And so that's interesting what you said, though. but you see that in, in groups of people or things like that all the time. Like you have like ideas, groups come together. There's a lot of potential things start to happen. And then like one funny thing after another begins to, you know, to sort of, stop the prog- the progress of whatever is happening. And sometimes that's through outer interference or influence, but oftentimes it's just people getting out ahead of themselves, right? Oh, if I learn how to do this, then I can do this with this skill or that with that skill, or I can commodify this skill or I can use it to get my way or whatever. And then comes the, the wall, right? And yeah, this is, this is real shit. <laughs> <laughs> because all these things get spoken about in like alchemy, alchemy texts and spiritual scriptures, but it's always in metaphor and allegory and it's grand and mythological. But what we're talking about is the real world application of how this looks whenever you're about to possibly cross the threshold into infinity and collapse the wave particle duality for a moment and, yeah. you know, be who you really are. So all that is amazing. Uh, <laughs> we're going to probably return to these ideas. We're getting kind of close to the end. I wanted to throw an observation out, though, that really blew my mind whenever we, you were talking about the immunity system, the immune system as pattern recognition. Yeah. And whoa, because what came popping out to me about that word that I'd never noticed somehow, even though like all amazing green magic word, word magic spells, it's been right in front of our face all the time. But immunity is I'm unity. I'm unity. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the ultimate pattern recognition is I'm unity. I'm unified with the inner outer world. And so I see that whatever the internal process is, is mirrored with the out external. And that's the collapsing of the, the dualism as well. So, whoa, <laughs> <The> <laughs> I'm unity system. <laughs> I love that. But OK, so this has been really stimulating. We'll continue this through into the second hour. But let's give some space um, to talk about your work your different shows, how people can support you. Definitely want to know how people can support you, what you're most excited about with what you do and what's coming up. And, you know, please give us a good rundown on, on all things in the Emily Moyer world. (laughs) All right. So I have a lot of like sort of different media things going, you know, like some of my older work, I started out um, as a producer and then later a co-host on uh, off planet radio with Randy Moggins and all that work is still available over on the off planet media. Um, 
YouTube channel. And you, like, you know, early on, I was pretty rough and raw. And so it's been kind of interesting that the development there, but a lot of the ideas that you and I've talked about here today, like the seeds for that were sown in some of the early conversations I had with Randy and with, with guests and, and whatnot. And, you know, like I even said, the first solo interview I ever did was with, was with Tracy. Right. So, um, that's there. I have a YouTube channel. It's my name. Um, and a lot of my public material that, that can be out on YouTube is there. Um, some, I have some stuff on Rumble. Also, my name, Emily Moyer, and I'm now on Rockfin as well. Um, and I've just started posting some things there. I'm going to post the archive of a lot of my shows there. I don't know everything. I'm still trying to figure out how it works in comparison to the other platforms I use. Um, but I do, uh, I'm on Patreon um, at patreon.com forward slash offplanetmedia at locals, emilymoyer.locals.com. Um, and I, I have a website, at emilycmoyer.com, that links to all that. There will be a member section on my website shortly as well. It's not quite there yet. Um, and so that's coming. Um, I also, I'm a nutrition consultant and a life coach. And um, so if you're interested in in uh, working with me in either of those arenas, um, you can find out about all that stuff on my website. And I guess the basic thing to know is like, I have a variety of shows that I do with, I've had many co-hosts over, over the years and people that I do recurring shows with. And I, I think the sort of pool that you and I are swimming collectively in, like probably would be most interested and know most of my work with Michael one. And uh, he and I have been working together for um, more than for about two years. Now we met the first week of the lockdown. Um, Steve Mercer performed that introduction and that was magical. And we have a show that we've been doing for two years called project kids. Um, and that is the, the public portions of that are available on, on YouTube. But now both the public portion and then the, the second hour, I'm posting that whole archive over on Rockfin. So you can get it on any of my privately supported sites or there. And then about a year, a little over a year ago, we launched an offshoot of that called Playing the Glass Bead Game. And um, we do that weekly. And there's like tons and tons of content. And it really is about um, sort of tracking the... Um, interconnectivity of like Michael and I's separate experiences, sort of like weaving the patterns into like a cohesive something, you know, quilt that makes sense. It's a lot about synchronicity, about synthesis, like the nice natural kind of synthesis, not the Hegelian dialectic <laughs> synthesis, although that's modeled off of, um, you know, the natural process. And so it's a lot of he and I just sort of hitting back and forth and, um, trying to make sense of each other's experiences and like pull them together in a way. I was actually talking to Sean this morning and what he was telling me a lot, we were talking about the weaving spiders and I was like, Oh yeah, that's like what similar sounds similar to what Michael and I have been doing with project kids and playing the glass bead game. So it totally is weaving spiders. Welcome is a very crazy synchro generator. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Like we started, we noticed right away and I don't know if it was, that there was an uptick in synchronicity when the lockdown happened, or if we just now noticed it because everything else got quiet so we could see how, how many there were, but it was crazy. The number and the amount that we've generated and to this day, like people will go listen to an episode from a year and a half or two years ago. And me or Michael will say something. And at that very moment, like the TV in the other room will say like the same words at the same moment that, one of us was saying or something like that for them. Right. Yeah, so the other day I was listening to Michael and he was talking about receiving 30 pounds of wheat pennies in the mail. And I was holding a 30 pound weight and I looked down at it and on the floor under my feet 
was yeah. a penny at that exact moment, you know? Yeah. So, so it, these general, this, this synchronicity generation that you're talking about that you guys are doing that, that Michael and I have done that other synchro mystics have, have done over time. Those are extra temporal. Like it doesn't matter when you sync up, like the moment you sync up, you're sort of part of that, that, that energy or that vortex of synchronicity. And, uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's fascinating to try and understand it, to participate in it, to experience it with each other. So yeah. So that's, so that's it. <laughs> yeah. Just like a ton of stuff. Yeah. You know, no big deal. <laughs> We're definitely kindred spirits. I, I can feel it. I mean, how else could you go into the deep end as far as we did in an hour like that? Whoa. <laughs> like we touched some some far out places and I'm excited to see where we go in part two. Awesome that you're on Rockfin and you're going to be uploading archives there because a lot of my supporters do so via Rockfin, which means they can get your content as well. And that supports you. And uh, I'll just say, since you're new there, I mean, it's been great for me. I've actually been able to improve my, you know, income position. Thanks to Rockfin better than any other platform that I've been on. So I'm really appreciative of that. And, you know, your people who sign up for you can come see the extended version of this show, too. So that is awesome. I'll make sure that all your links are in there, but definitely the Rockfin link. So I hope people that aren't Rockfin members will consider joining either through my link or yours. And uh, we will go ahead and move over to the extended premium part of this conversation, which will be on my Rockfin and on my Patreon. And if you want to also mirror that over to your Patreon too, I definitely don't mind as long as we can put it on a payroll wall. So cool. thanks for being here and I uh, hope people go check out all your stuff. We're definitely in the same synchronicity soup. <laughs> I'm excited to see what we get into for hour two. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Chance. Absolutely. What just happened with Emily? Whoa, that was a big one, guys. I'm sure you felt it. I mean, even if you just heard the first hour, wow, the deep end was touched right away really quickly. Big thank you to Emily for taking a chance on Interverse and jumping in without really knowing much about what I do other than that we both came recommended to one another by mutual friends and People, you know, coworkers here at the uh, the office, <laughs> podcaster office that we all don't share because we're all at our own places. But you know what I mean? It's awesome. It's awesome to see the links in this community continue to grow. Like Emily was recently on Rogue Ways. Of course, I'm good friends with Lindsay from Rogue Ways. And she does. Emily does a lot of work with Howdy McCoskey, who was one of the recent guests on Interverse. 
Also, she does a lot of stuff with Mike Wan. I really got to check out her stuff with Wan because she's clearly just as adept into the synchro mystic gravy as Uncle Mike. And Mike is one of the best storytellers out there, but definitely had a blast with Emily, who can tell some stories like the best of them. Wow, I'm not really sure where to start with trying to break all this down. When I look at my notes for all the things we covered off, it is like incredible. You would think that we planned this and that we were putting together a presentation that was going to connect all these ideas and and merge the timelines like we did. But wow, this was all totally off the cuff. That's what I love. I mean, sometimes, don't get me wrong, conversations that have more of a plan and a structure are great. but The best other hosts out there are the ones where you can have a chat like this. And we both bring all the knowledge that we've got to the table uh, in the present moment in its current form and try to make sense of reality, (laughs) try to make sense of existence. So I don't know where to start. I'm a little uh, gob gobsmacked. Is that the word for it? (laughs) In some realities, the coffee tastes different than in others. Today may be one of those days. That was a quote from the Plus Extension. So if you're new to what I do around here, maybe you're from Emily's tribe. I'm pretty sure she does a similar thing on her show with Danny Katz, the one called Words. She's got Words and then Afterwords, where there's a premium section after the free section. So I do the same thing. If you're new to my work, you can get the extended version of the conversation on my Patreon or my Rockfin. Or maybe you're hearing this on Emily's pages because I thought, hey, this was so good. I really want her people to hear it too. And so if you guys are out there on the Emily side of this upload, welcome to Interverse. I'm glad to be in your ears right now. And as you can see, there's a lot of kindred energy between her and I, which neither of us was sure about, although we had a good feeling. We both operate on intuition in that way and knew that we didn't need to dig too deep into the other one to feel comfortable going to a conversation like this and knowing that greatness would ensue. And it sure did. So yeah, in the second hour, the premium side of the show on my Rockfin or my Patreon, $5 a month for the Patreon, $10 to sign up for Rockfin, but you get access to all the primo content from everybody that's on there, including Emily, who's now on Rockfin, which is good for me, which means I can get into her stuff myself in a more deep depth of field way. Excited to be able to do that. So what did we talk about in hour two? We started just by digging into our shared love for electronic music culture. And then we hit into the disassociative identity disorder and the multiverse, which is a big meme right now in pop culture. So made an awesome extension into that topic from carrying over the things I talked about with Howdy. And stuff that has come up a lot on Weaving Spiders Welcome on my watch. I say on my watch because I can't be there for all of it. It's too huge. But when I am there. uh, Then she told me some really interesting stories kind of about the occult aspects of Austin, Texas. The the magic of the land. The memory of the land. The topics kind of took towards a stoned tape theory type of direction. That the, uh, the ether of a place. The place magic. Magic of place. This is probably going to come up a lot in the future, too, because I'm fascinated by it. Um, Man, there's so many notes about what we talked about in the plus extension. I'm just going to jump through them and maybe not give you all of them because it's too much to blurt out. But 
we definitely looked at the concept of like, is there concrete real reality or is existence more fluid and quantum? You know, do you wake up in the same reality with the same coffee every day? What is reality? Is there, <laughs> what is the meaning of that word? You know, really deep explorations into that and talked about how this multiverse idea and the DID is putting us maybe unconsciously at odds with layers of ourself and abilities in ourself, barriers and boundaries being created between our potentiated expression and our current level of existence, if you will. And then the conversation took quite a turn, a bend and fork in the river towards discussing flow state, you know, and I found some good place to insert some recently learned etymology about rivers and flow. Fascinating. And uh, then we talked about, man, (laughs) the sky clock, alternate feelings of the flow of time, alternate interpretations of what time and reality are. Then the concept of CERN and particle accelerators came into the play, came into play and the possibility of some pre-existing vibratory technology that generates nature that led us into talking about the labyrinth idea man that was deep the labyrinth we we went all over that place (laughs) and then back to this concept from the economics the alchemics alchemy of economics that came up in hour one from me reading tracy's book recently is uh, the concept of the velocity of money the speed of trade and the density of trade in the marketplace as an alchemical control switch to manipulate the flow and speed of time. And then we also got into talking about tennis, like tennis as a solar cult or alchemical encode or synchromistic experience. I don't really watch a lot of tennis, but she made some amazing observations that brought us right back into this idea in the weave of like, a, you know, the external king, the messiah, the the helio hex, the heliocentrism of it all. And man, there's a lot more to it than that, but I'll just leave it there. That the, the plus extension, if you thought the free hour was crazy, that we went from zero to crazy in a good way in a very short amount of time, the accelerator, we never took our foot off the gas really <laughs> in the plus extension. It was wild. And we went extra. It was actually more than an hour. It's probably like an hour 15 so you're welcome, everybody out there. It was hard for us to actually hang up the line. We were having too much fun. So I now know that I totally love Emily Moyer, that we are way on the same level, same wavelength, same vibration. The synchronicities were off the charts. Other things, housekeeping things to tell you about. In recent life, for me, uh, I've been on a couple of great shows that you might want to hear me speak on. The first was Inquiries of Our Reality, where we talked about dreams and sound healing. That was the name of the episode. It also was on 13 Questions podcast. That was pretty cool. Uh, Bill and I think Adam is the other host. They asked me 13 pre-prepared questions about, you know, life and what it means to be a man and my opinion on various things and my feelings on things. And it was deep and psychological and a little vulnerable. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoy those. Those were great interviews. And if you want to have me on your show, just hit me up. I like going out there and getting out there. Also recently did, and I don't know when this is coming out. So when this episode's coming out, it might be recorded quite a bit before it actually releases. I'm kind of getting better at stacking up episodes and getting ahead of the game, which is great. But very recently I did a sound healing seminar for Templus Aquaria for our friend Kalina Lux. So it was like two hours presentation about the science of sound as a healing modality. And then 
quite a long period of time doing some group healing, group tune-up stuff. I think there was also a solid like 45 minutes to an hour of Q&A as part of the equation, but it was amazing. I may mirror that to some of the paid feeds. So for patrons, Rockfin people, you might be able to catch that if you weren't at the Templus Aquaria presentation because it was so good. I really would like to put that information out there and make it accessible. It was one of my best presentations of that info. So if you're not a member of Templus Aquaria, maybe consider signing up though. If you are interested in sovereignty and, you know, generating the new earth freedom, ether technology, the amazing seminars and classes that she's got up there are crossing the full gamut of topics from law and getting detoxed from the de facto and all elements of life, like health detox and legal detox, spiritual detox, all that stuff. I couldn't recommend Templus Aquaria more enough, really. So aligned with the vision of the future that I see us heading into our tribe too. So definitely check her out, check her workout. Uh, check out the Vibrant episode that we did pretty recently. If you're curious, Kalina Lux on Vibrant, really great stuff. So, all right, where do I want to go from here? I think, I think from here, I want to remind you guys that I do one-on-one sound healing sessions and Oracle card readings. If anybody wants to get in touch for that, especially should remind you guys about it. If you're new to the channel, cause you're coming in from the Emily side, I'm sure we'll get to talk about that more on her channel. Whenever I go to her show which is going to be great. But in the meantime, you can go to my website or check the description in the show notes for this episode or any other to learn more about the sound healing ceremonies that I provide. Much love everybody out there who supported me through getting those and supporting themselves. Also, if you're watching this on the video side, I'm wearing my awesome Abraxas one-on-one podcast shirt. Check that out. It's a beauty. Just got that. It's my first time wearing it on a camera. If you're not watching on a video, if you're doing the RSS feed, that's cool. But the video version of the show, I do put a lot of work into making it look nice. And sometimes it's relevant because there's stuff on the screen that seeing it is helpful. But I digress. I'm trying not to be too overly verbose in this outro. The last one I did was 20 minutes. (laughs) I'd like to just kind of move towards the goalposts and all that. So um, I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to play us out with some acid housey music from my buddy Dean, AKA lucid feels appropriate after we were talking about that genre of music with Emily. And I really enjoyed that part of the talk, getting into the flow state aspect of it. And I really enjoyed the recognition and realizations we had about the, the sonic pan panoptelectric frequency fence, the sonic panoptelectric frequency fence, hard word to say that I made up panoptelectric. (laughs) It's basically like the panopticon of sound, the frequency fence concept made some new and deep realizations about that in the free hour today. The watchers be watching y'all, but all right, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. It's been cool. It's been real. What a good day. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys are loving life wherever you are out there and recognizing your infinite multiversal potential to embody the existence and the vibratory feeling of whatever it is that you would think fits your soul's calling and purpose. And, and that you're realizing that there's no multiversal version of you out there that's superior to you that you can't tap into and, and embody and vibrate into this existence that you are literally the Akashic record. You are the source. You are the unified field. You are the potentiated 
and the potential. Collapse that waveform duality, baby. Know that there are no limiters on yourself other than what you put onto yourself, except maybe like physical, biological limiters. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of expressing yourself creatively, you got all the I am you need to be who you want to be and who you know you truly are. Infinite, baby. All right. Well, enjoy this track by Lucid. It's called Me Gusta. And I definitely do Gusta. <laughs> Take care out there. Bye bye. <laughs>